Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. I never really understood art. I don't mean like art in the broad sense, but I mean art that goes on walls and on shelves. Most of the time, it drives me nuts, because there's no rhyme or reason to why one certain artist's work is considered good and another one is not. Why is a Jackson Pollock considered collectible art, but the project that that elementary school kid makes by drizzling paint on a paper is just a childish picture? When I go to a museum or an art gallery, and people walk around looking at paintings and sculptures, commenting on what they see and what they believe the artist is trying to accomplish, I end up looking more at them, thinking that they are full of crap, more than looking at the art itself. Art is just so subjective. What I think looks amazing, someone may think is garbage. I can't understand more than landscape art or portraits, because at least I know what I'm supposed to be seeing, and I can appreciate the talent it took to make that. So that was my whole idea of art, till I met this artist named Sean Sturz, and I started to understand a little more about what art is, because I got to understand the artist himself. Sean's life is all about art, about creating. He puts energy and passion into everything he does, and in every day that he lives. He takes that zest for life and he transfers it into material objects. When I first started seeing the things that Sean created, a light bulb went off. I finally started to understand art. Art is a way in which a person can take what's inside them and put it on a canvas to show the world at large. Sean, you're the definition of an artist, an all-around great guy. And I'm thrilled to have you here. Sean, welcome. Thanks, MJ. How's it going? It is going well. So, okay, I've known Sean for a couple of years. He's a great guy. And he's this, he's an interesting an interesting guy in the L.A. world because he's not he's not an actor. Um, he yep. is an artist. But he's, like, in this acting world. He knows, like, everybody, first of all. And you hang out with a lot of people that are creatives in the industry. Yeah. But yeah. that's not your thing. So you live in L.A., but you didn't move here to be an actor, did you? No, I moved here from Santa Barbara, which was paradise, and I loved it because I went to school up there, and I lived there afterward, and that's what a lot of people do. They stay in Santa Barbara afterward, but I had tapped out. Like, There's nothing really for a young creative person to do in Los Angeles. I'm from Bakersfield, California, so it's like, you know, hop, skip, and a jump away. So the next logical choice for me was to move to Los Angeles, still close to my home and family, and a lot of creative people here. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't have a job when I moved here, but right. I just kind of made it happen and it worked out. So tell me about you growing up in Bakersfield. So how many generations fifth, in California? Fifth generation Bakersfieldian, which, is, that's which crazy. is crazy. I remember my mom saying like when she grew up there, there was, I think like 50, 60,000 people. Right. And now I think the city... You can quote me wrong, but probably like half a million people. Yeah, I was going to say 500,000. Yeah. grown so much. And especially since I left for college. Remember like the housing boom and everything? Up yeah. on my, it's like I come back and it's a whole new city. A whole different place. It's so affordable. And I look at the housing out there. And I'm like, I could live in a mansion for <laughs> the rent that <laughs> I'm paying. Paying for an apartment here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's insane. But luckily, I've been, I, I was smart when I moved here because I've been in the same location for 12 years. Right. And so with the housing market right now in Los Angeles, you know, I, the unit above me, they pay almost twice as much as me Which for the crazy. same thing. Well, yeah. I, you know, I've also been, I've been here for seven years in the same place. And 
if I left this place now, they would jack up the the rent yeah. for sure. So I thank God because the housing market is unbelievable. I couldn't afford to live here if I didn't live in my apartment. Okay, I don't understand why they keep building these buildings in Hollywood and downtown, everywhere. These brand new buildings. Who's like living in them? Who's they are. Them? And, and and the rents are astronomical. I just saw it in our neighborhood. We both live in the same neighborhood. And just to give you an idea of what's going on in L.A., there's a major housing crisis. It's the number one housing crisis in the country right now because we just don't have enough space for people. And they built this brand new building. It used to be a Trader Joe's. They leveled it and made this huge apartment complex, a studio. I think it's like a 600, no, 500 square foot studio is $2,300 a month. And that's considered good. Uh, wow. (laughs) So it's, it's crazy. It's, it's really getting up there, but luckily we live in a really great neighborhood and we have, um, great places. So this is my, uh, five year plan, 10 year plan. I'm going to keep the place. I'm going to get another roommate or make him pay more because I, it's under my name and everything. And so it's like, if you have a new person and I'm going to buy some land somewhere. So I'm going to do two things. I'm either going to buy some land up in the mountains and build a tree house or... I'm gonna As do one it. does. Yeah, of course. I was just watching Treehouse Masters last night. Like, I'm obsessed with tree houses. <laughs> I'm like Swiss Family Robinson. Like, right. No joke. Like, I am Swiss. My last name is Swiss. And I used to say it's Swiss Family Stirs because that's all I wanted as a child. And my father never let me have a tree house. Like, right. They tease. I drew up plans as a kid, you know, as a creative kid. And yeah. Like, they cut out branches to build the tree house and they never did. So, like, that's I had funny. this weird thing where i can't let go of my childhood because they didn't i never your... got that well i uh, i wasn't a treehouse guy but i built forts i was always making yeah. forts in the woods we had some really good forts we had a, one in a blueberry bush we called it the blueberry fort we had carpet in it we had we had membership cards for you to get in it was it was it was intense <laughs> i remember my cousin they lived out on a, a pig farm a ranch and stuff they would like build tunnels, like holes. Like Get dirt. out. Yeah. Oh, say so I wouldn't do that. That's so what we would do. I'd be afraid of snakes. No, 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 no. All right. So let's get down to talking about you and what you do and all that stuff. So, okay. We've established you're from Bakersfield. Tell me more about you, your your background, all that stuff. Well, um, let's see. I have a great family. Um, they're all supportive of like my art endeavors and stuff. And I wind up in studio art. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be like a business person. My dad and is a business person. My brother's a doctor. So they, they're all like really left brain people. I'm so far right. It's not even that funny. Yeah. Like I just like uh, I bleed art, I guess you could say. Um, so I wound up doing art and that's kind of like why I moved to Los Angeles, California. And when I got here, I started working with kids and it kind of dawned on me because my mother was a, um, a elementary school librarian growing up and she always gave me books. I didn't like to read, but I like to look at the pictures. Right. And so as I was working for this family, I had this idea. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I should write and illustrate a kid's book. Like how, how hard is it going to be to illustrate a kid's book, please? Like, cause my mom always talked about, it. I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I'll get a couple like celebrity book forwards to do it. Like, I'll be set for life. Right. Flash forward eight, seven, eight years later, I'm still working on that book. Um, got it done finally. But yeah, it's a whole process. And so I just kind of like fell into it. And so I remember having this aha moment. I was taking the trash out at work and I was walking from on the driveway. I was like, oh my God, wait, I'm going to write an illustrated kid's book. Like my mom said she could do it. She'll proofread it. It's like 1200 words, like 32 pages. Like it'll be easy. Right. 
So yeah. easy. Yeah. But so nothing's easy. ever as easy as you think it's going to be. No, I wish I had your book then to like read about all <laughs> the failures because there's a lot of failures on the way. Well, but you've also had some pretty fun things. So you moved down to L.A. and we established that you're not an actor, but you have not been shy from a camera because you were actually a part of a show because you had a very interesting job down here in L.A. Yeah. So tell us about that. So, okay, so I think... Like when I said, when I moved down here, I had no job. Um, I did catering a couple times randomly. But within like two, three weeks of being here, I got hired to be a, um, an assistant professional organizer for Kenny G's family. You know, the sax man. Right. And uh, so they lived out of Malibu. Um, and the kids loved me. And they asked me to be their manny. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I, I've always worked with kids before in high school and college and doing this stuff. I'm like, this is perfect. And I thought I'd be there maybe six months a year. I was with that family for like almost nine years. So wow. they're like my little brothers now. And yeah. I know all the kids, like the families, like I get invited to the birthdays. So you're like, to like Kenny the, G's Manny. Yeah, Uncle Kenny. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so they asked me. And so that's that's uh, who wrote my book forward. And they lived on the beach and they have two dogs. Um, an English bulldog and a French bulldog. And those were the two dogs that really inspired my story. And those are the main characters in my story. And that's who I'm writing the next book about. So it just, I just kind of fell into it. But, you know, like I but said, it, it worked for you. And you, it, it was what was meant to be because yeah. it got you to, kinda, got you on your path. Yeah. Like during this whole, um, you know, getting this book published, you know, I was trying to do anything to um, get noticed. And right. so I had this idea that, um, I wanted to do like a, a Manny reality show. So this one guy, uh, did you ever see, oh my gosh, I think it's called, was it DC Cupcakes, New York Cupcakes on I, TLC? No, I didn't know there was like a million cupcake shows. Yeah, I was so pissed because. <laughs> that was your idea. No, the producer of that show had talked to me. He wanted to do a show about me. And then he took that show over mine and they had this huge success. It was great. So I'm like, okay, you know, I need to do a show. So I'm look, looking for my own like producer, try to get it done. And then I found this casting um, and it was called Beverly Hills Nannies. Uh, I met these people and the main girl, Kristen, um, she's one of my best friends still to this day. I'm going to see her later today. Uh, we were on the show together and it was, it was just kind of like destiny, I think. And so I was hoping from that, that I would get, you know, kind of a book deal. So I kept pushing for that yeah. or at least like get me in front of publishers or an agent or something like that. But that's Oddly, not exactly how it went down, right? No. Okay. <laughs> so let me tell you, and during this time, you know, randomly, I had been voted like the top uh, Manny in Los Angeles from uh, Los Angeles Magazine. It's like all these like random things that had just like fallen into. Like I didn't right. try for it really, but it happened. Um, By the way, apparently that's a thing. He is voted the top Manny in Los Angeles. Yeah. That's just so LA. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Google that picture because it's going to be funny if you do. Um, where was I going with this story? But anyway, <laughs> where was I going with this story? You were saying that it didn't go down the way you thought oh, it was Oh, yeah, it didn't. So, you know, I had, like, the most experience. I worked with these kids. You know, they tried, uh, you know, um, I worked for this lesbian couple on the show. They had one little girl, and they were pregnant with twins. And this was ABC Family. Um, it was going to be this great episode because, you know, I called them uh, on their way to the hospital to, to deliver the twins. Yeah, I teach a young daughter art lessons and all this stuff. And they cut it. 
and it's the same producers that did um, Housewives of Beverly Hills. Right. So they were going after that, those nanny wars. You did this, you did that. And I wouldn't want to do that. Oh, right. The confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm working with kids here. So if they had kept that, that would have been like a really cute, special, like sweet scene to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, most of my scenes were on the, the, the cutting room Well, floor. I love that you, um, acknowledge the fact that you didn't do that because your primary goal was to work with children and it's really not appropriate to be starting fights and, you know, no. um, wars with, with people in your life when you are supposed to be role model to children. Exactly. <laughs> but, I, it didn't make, you know. Good for you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. It, it was really cool because it could have been like a really cool nanny wars and, you know, calling names at people just didn't work for me. Yeah. And like even on the show, like at one point, they had edited my words together where I said this about this person. And I never said that. So, okay, so here, I'm going to stop you. So you did a reality show. It was pretty much like a reality show. A doc, yeah. Yeah. It a was, docu-series. So, so yeah, right. <laughs> what, what, what you're seeing when you see reality show, it's, it's very heavily edited. Yes. And apparently you lived this firsthand, that you saw that things yeah. that you did and then things that you saw didn't actually line up. Because, okay, for instance, this is how I realized they did it. You know, I'm saying one thing to you on camera and then they go back and they do the pickup scenes like, or like voiceover type stuff. And they ask you the questions again. Right. So I could be saying, I could be saying, MJ, you're a really nice guy on camera. But what you would see would be, um, the next scene would be like my face, MJ. And then it would be like another scene of like, not you. Right. And it'd be me saying, MJ's a mean guy. And then it'd go back to my face. So, but they'd edit it. So it looks like one Continuous thing. thing. So it's yeah. like, MJ's a mean guy. There'd be like three different shots there instead of like me saying MJ's a nice guy. It'd be like one shot. Right. I'm like, those those people did some trickery on me. That was not cool. And then I would get like hate tweets and stuff from that. Which is, it's funny because. Like, um, whatever, it's a show. Like, and it's yeah. it's reality. It's how reality shows work. They The conflict drives it. Um, you have a, a friend from college who was on The Bachelor, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is – that show didn't really do great things for him. I mean, they really made him look bad on oh, that show. He loved it. J.J. Lane from The Bachelorette, I don't know, what, two, three seasons ago? Yeah. He absolutely loved it. I remember he called me up, um, and he stayed on my couch like when he did the interview. He was like, oh, my gosh, should I do this? I'm like, yes, you're going to be perfect. Like, I just knew it, like his yeah. type and stuff. He, uh, he did but, well. But the thing is, I'm sure the – they decided that this was going to be the way he was going to be portrayed. And a lot of that stuff yeah, was probably and, edited yeah, to and he plays up for it and he's yeah, having yeah. fun with it. So it's funny because reality reality shows mm-hmm. are anything but real. They're they're very doctored, they're very uh, edited and they're, they 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 want to take you where they want it to go whether you do it or not. They'll get you there. Yeah. Um so you did that show and then, you know, you ended your time as a Manny and well, the kids grew up. The kids grew up, right? <laughs> as they do. So then, then is that when you decide, like, okay, it's time for me to go full in on my career as an artist and as a children's book author? Yeah. And so, you know, that kind of um, source of income just kind of stopped because I, you know, I'd see them occasionally, uh, Kenny G's family. But I'm like, you know what? I just got to like focus on my art um, and put everything I have into it. So that's when I did um, the book. I learned a lot from the book doing. Um, you know, this process uh, that I went through this first time with the book. I'm working on my second book now, 
But the first book, you know. Right, I'm going to stop you right here because you're very bad at self-promotion. What's the title of the book? Oh, my God. <laughs> you need to, like, you know, sell this thing because it's very good. We weren't to that point yet. Is, is, you is push it all the way through. <laughs> okay, it's called Baxter Booze Epic Beach Day. And I'll tell you the story behind the name of the book. Baxter yes, Booze, please do. Epic Beach Day. So Baxter was Kenny G's family dog, the English bulldog. Okay. And they lived in Malibu. And everybody called Malibu Boo for short. So I just named the dog Baxter Boo. I thought it was cute. Yes, um, And, you know, he has an epic beach day. So that's the name. Okay. Yeah. So you drew from your real life experience. I did. That's always the best way to do when you're an author, right? But the the funny thing was, I really wish I could sit there because nobody has really sat down with me and asked me what all the pictures mean. Because this is why I love children's books. Because a good one will go across all age ranges. Yeah. And that's why I love it. Like, you know, like Dr. Seuss. There's a bigger story right, for everybody. There's a big and the pictures tell just as big a story as the words do. But they have to go hand in hand. Right. And the um, the pictures were – I kind of found like some uh, – I put some of myself in there, um, some of my like personal stories and struggles and uh, religious uh, uh, iconography yeah, yeah. and things like that. So I had a really fun time with that. But, like, when I would do interviews and stuff, they wouldn't ask me, like, in detail really what it meant. Right. So, you could ask me whatever you want about that. <laughs> All right. Well, so, okay, so you you wrote the book. You illustrate it yourself. Mm-hmm. Clearly multi-talented. Right. And, and the book, it's, you know, as someone who's worked in elementary school, when I first saw the book, I, I said, oh, this is great for kids because it has a lot of elements that people love. It has the animals. Uh, very vivid colors. Surfing. Surfing, very fun, um, whimsical stories, but it also has, there's a point to it. Um, It has has the the morals of the story. So how do you, um, how do you try to get that across to people who are looking for children's books about how your, your book is more than just thrown together? How do you let people know like there's a, a real point and reason to your book? Um, well, I mean, my biggest way of letting people know is when I do school visits and tours. So if you're looking for an author, illustrator to come to your school and speak, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good plug. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No. So I go there and I, I I read the story to the kids, but then I tell them, um, after the story that the story is really about self-acceptance and being who you are and being different is okay. Yeah. But have fun along the way with doing it. Um, and you know, there's always a little like subplot in all the stories, um, for instance, I remember the name of the, the Kenny G's son is Noah. And so he's one of the, the boy characters in the story. And so uh, Noah's Ark, as you remember from the Bible, was like, you know, the, the Ark that floats and all right. this stuff. Yeah, so on, I thought I was being so clever here. So even though I'm so <laughs> clever, I have my blonde moments. <laughs> so I had I, the book was published. It was done. I was showing my mom. I was showing another friend. And she's like, so on the surfboard, on the cover of the book, I spell out ARC. And she's like, are those somebody's initials or something like that? I'm like, no. I'm like, how, how did you not get what it means? It's like Noah's surfboard. He's on the water. Like, obviously, it means like Noah's it's Ark. Noah's ARC. It's like A-R-C. Oh, no, you did. I spelt it A-R-C. <laughs> That's funny. Instead of A-R- I'm like. After all those proofreads, after me thinking I'm so clever, yeah. the first person, <laughs> my mom, that asked what it is. Um, but this is how I recovered. When you see uh, Baxter Noah on the surfboard, it really is the arc of the story. It's the highest point. 
when they're on that surfboard. So it really did kind of. Make oh, there that. you go. And then I kind of do. I think it was um, just meant to be because I don't want to be copying like other right. stories. So you have to change it a and little bit. And that's okay. Bit. I mean, it, so it's, I it's okay I'm to make it your own. Yeah. People will get the multi levels of it. See? Yeah. So it's very good. I mean, oh, <laughs> and as, as an author, let me tell you, I understand the whole proofreading thing. I had three editors, not one, not two. Three. Oh. Three editors. To this day, I could pick up the book and I found errors and typos and things I've in there. I've had about five. It makes me want to cry because it's it's so maddening. But when you're a writer and you're doing a project and, you know, just like things like if, whatever job you do, you get so used to seeing the same things that it's very easy to overlook. So you need people to come in. You know, but even at that, like three editors. I paid three editors oh to go God. through and still I'll be like. People be like, do you know there's a, a typo on page 32? I'm like, damn it! <laughs> Just don't ask me to edit. You know, what, <laughs> you know who was my book editor? I was so, like, I was so I was flipping out when this happened. It was um, Emma Walton Hamilton, which is Julie Andrews' daughter, Mary Poppins, wow. the Mary Poppins. Um, and Mary, uh, Mary Poppins, <laughs> Julie Andrews and Emma have a really like successful children's, book, children's yeah. book line. That's incredible. Yeah. So I'm like, oh. My gosh, this is the well, coolest thing ever. All right, so I want to I want to kind of say some realities here. You you have a really amazing product. I mean, you really put your heart and soul into this this book, this children's book. The characters are great, the colors are great, the illustrations are great, the story is great. But it hasn't gone it hasn't gone the way you'd hoped. It wasn't an immediate overnight success, right? Mm-mm. And and I think this is something that's very interesting for people and something that I've learned. It's, you know, you have all these expectations of what's going to happen yeah. and you put all the work into it that you want, but that doesn't mean it's going to fly and hit right off the top. I think right, that's right the, the biggest thing. You know, I was so proud of what I did, but in my head for so many years, I had these expectations right. of what it would be. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like the second book, I don't want to have expectations like that. I know what works this time. So for instance, doing school visits and doing assemblies and reading to kids, um, that's like the type of thing that works. It's not like I'm going to be like on the number one New York Times bestselling this time, but they say everything in Hollywood that, you know, is an overnight success took seven to 10 years. Right. And so, and literally in every podcast, we talk about that. But I think what's great about you is that you, it, it, it didn't exactly meet your expectations when it first came out. You're super proud of it. You know, you did a great product, which is the most important thing, mm-hmm. but it didn't, fly like you thought it would right off the bat. And I'll tell you why. And, but I want to say I'm proud that you realize that that's not a reason to quit because you know it's good and you keep you keep going you know you'll get there. Yeah. That's the really important part of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's – well, yeah, true. <laughs> um, I just was not – I hired a really great publicist. They did nothing after like a month or so. I cut them loose because I'm like, okay, I'm going to cut my losses – but that's the thing. It's like, I'm thankfully, I'm really stubborn. And that's the thing about Los Angeles. So many people here are talented, but there's only so many different media platforms where you could be number one or being right. like, I mean, and then you think, is it about the, the fame or money or uh, acknowledgements? No, it's like, you have to do that. If you're a real artist, you do it because you want to create and you have create. to create. Like, I have to do something every day or else I feel like I'm not contributing to the world somehow. And it, it's fun to follow Sean on social media because he's literally always doing stuff. He does these little videos that he he does the 
the speed up. What is it? You know, the time, the, the time lapse. So you can watch him do a whole painting in 30 seconds. Um, he does that. He does. He has his own YouTube channel. Um, hey, Sean. It's called Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. And um, it's him doing these fun things like cooking school or painting, painting something with friends. And he's always producing content, which makes him interesting and makes him uh, it brings him uh, to the head of the pack because, again, L.A. has a lot of talented people, but that doesn't mean that they're motivated. Yeah. And like anything in life, the people that do well are the people that persist and keep going and growing. And that's what you do. And that's why I think that's why I like to be around you because you make me excited because you have such passion. Well, let me tell you this. Um, I'm so happy that I met you because you have had bigger failures than I have had. <laughs> <laughs> Saying it lightly, no, it is true. <laughs> but you're so inspirational because you always have a smile on your face and you're doing it. And, you know, you have TV shows in the works, you have books, you have tours, like that huge tour. Like yeah. you're a go-getter. You make it happen. You make stuff happen. And I need to be surrounded by that with people. Um, some, You know, I know people that are like really creative, but they're not actively doing something right. all the time and i think you know you really surround your people or surround yourself with people like that and because it makes you excited and, it, and you help each other yeah and you help each other get excited about what you're doing which is which is a really you great thing excitement because yeah. you know as a creative person or an artist for me um it can be draining trying to think of content and doing stuff myself the entire time right so i like to you know invite friends over and have art day i have one really great friend his name is greg um, he comes over. He used to be a Disney animator. He did like Disney's Beauty and the Beast. You know the yeah. I sent him scene. an email. Greg, I want you on this. Greg, show. we're gonna Greg. call you soon. <laughs> I mean, guys, when you want to hear about a Disney animator who did Beauty and the Beast, how great is that? Yeah. So he comes over and we have art day and like seriously, like bouncing ideas off. Of, that's like my favorite thing to do is like yeah. bounce ideas off of people because he's like, no, Sean, that works. Like, don't do what you're trying to do. You're overthinking it. He's like, do that. I'm like, oh my god, you're so right. Like, if I didn't have that. I would still be working on, like, the second page of my first book. Right. <laughs> like, trying to make and, it perfect. And it also just helps. So, you know, when I met Sean, he had just finished his first book, and I was done with my book. And I – but I had been a little farther along in the publishing process. So I got to, like, tell him different things that he didn't know about, you know, how to buy your books yourself to get them really cheap. And so you have them so you can sell to offset the costs. And, mm -hmm. you know, he was – referring me to people that he knew that were in the industry that could help with, you know, PR or publicity or whatever. It was, you, you help bounce things back in front of back and forth with each other because the things that you may know, I may not know and vice versa. And that helps us both get to our goals. Absolutely. Your book right now uh, has been out, but we haven't really had a grand launch, big, huge thing for it yet. So are, is this in the works? Are you waiting to have a couple? Like, what's your plan for the book going so forward? I I haven't had anything in Los Angeles, but in Bakersfield, my hometown, I did a um, huge store event at the um, Hallmark store. And so, like, you know, I had a meet and greet, like, red carpet. I had a bulldog there for people nice. to play with, an old classic car and surfboard. Um, that was really fun. I had some write-ups for that. So I wanted to, you know, go back to where my roots are and have family and friends. Yeah, there. of course. And I was planning on doing something in uh, Los Angeles and Malibu. There was two really cool stores. And this is like what I've talked about, um, being around creative people and friends that will help you, that I approached one's like a, now they're really well-known like pet store. Um, another is, happens to be a store on a pier 
around here um, that they said they would love to have an event. And I, you know, I feel like I stalked them. Right. And then they can't move forward. So I'm like, okay, maybe next time. So, you know, the book has been out for over a year, maybe two years now. Um, but I'm working on the next one. So I want to, when I have my big, next big grand reveal, I want it to be the next book and get people okay. excited. So, but it'll be great because just like everything now, people love to binge. So they mm-hmm. like the new book. And guess what? There's another one right there yeah. already available. Yeah. So my, like, my long-term goal is to have three books, do that, and then start pitching it as a cartoon. Which would be great because it when if you haven't um, seen his book yet, I encourage you to Google it and look at it. You can get it on Amazon, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, what the Nook, yeah, all um, those, all the distributors, and and it's just a really great book. And the the characters are endearing and adorable. And uh, I keep telling him he needs to do three books and get a plush and sell to yes! QVC. <laughs> okay. We're putting it out in the world. QVC, did you hear it? I'm coming for you. But yeah, because it's just one of those things that I can see kids walking around holding their Baxters. Maybe maybe I can get on QVC and with like a little plush and have like Kenny G come and play a song for us. You think people would like that? Like a Christmas song? Do a little, yeah, a little Kenny G Baxter boo jingle, you know? Yeah. Hey, this is, it's an interesting thing that you bring up because I have learned in my life that it's okay to ask help from people absolutely and not only is it okay you should and the more you utilize your connections and you utilize the things that you have in your life Mm -hmm. the the easier it's going to be for you to get there but also then you'll be able to do stuff for other people absolutely i have some people that i know here in los angeles they're like um wow you ask people for a lot of things they're like i can't believe you went up to that person and said that or asked it's not like it's not like I'm trying to use them, but it's like connections. Think about it. If we were like in uh, New York City or something and we're investment bankers or lawyers or something like that, you reach out to people for business connections. And that's what you do here. And I think a lot of times people get it confused. It's like, oh, you're trying to write off their coattails or use them or something like that. No, I think that people just get the um, maybe celebrity part. like Right. Like it rubs the wrong way. It. Yeah. yeah. It, but it's like this in any any part of your life, in any any field, any anything that you do, uh, you always are looking for people around you that know, know something to help you grow and, and get better. And the thing that I've learned is not only do is it okay for you to ask, most of the time people like yeah. to help. They like to feel like they can help someone. They like to know that they have some knowledge that someone else doesn't. It makes them feel good. And so I love that, you know, you're this kind of person that, you know, you have made great connections because, well, first of all, because you're a real person. You're genuine and you're nice um, and you know that when you meet you. Back and, at you. And that you use, you utilize it because why not? Well, why sit and be like, oh man, you know, if I could why just... What else are get, you here for? You know, right. I think it's like a lot of people think hey, I'm going to move to Los Angeles, become an actor, and that's it. I just have to go to an audition. I don't think that's really how right. it works. You have to network with people. You have to you network. Have to know people. It's like any other thing. It's really about who you know. Mm-hmm. And it, you have to have talent, and you have to have ambition, and you have to have you know drive. But you have to know the people to get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really great when people acknowledge that. And one of the first things I was ever told when I moved to Los Angeles, I was at um, my friend used to play the piano at a hotel and I was at the bar sitting there watching him play. And this guy sat down and he started, I started talking to him. Hi, how are you? Blah, 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 blah. I said, well, where are you, where are you from? He said, oh, I'm, I live up in LA. We're in Orange County. 
And I said, oh, I'm moving to L.A. And he's like, oh, that's great. You're going to love it. I said, oh, yeah, I'm so excited. So what do you do? And he, like, snapped around and he said, that's just, I'm going to tell you right now and save you a lot of um, heartache, but you don't ask people what you do in L.A. because they're assuming that you're going to try to get something out of them. And I thought, well, that's weird. That guy was must have been an anomaly because, I mean, it's it such a weird thing to say, right? Like, don't ask people what they do. You know, you meet people, you ask them, like, what do you do? What's, what, what are your passions? What do you, you know, find out about people? You have to have a talking point. You just can ask them right, what you have the a weather's like. But oh. the, the thing is, is here in L.A., more than anything else, it's all about who you know and what they do. Like, that's how you move yourself forward here. So that was, like, the worst advice I ever got. And I'm so glad I don't listen to other people. <laughs> you know, because you you, I, I try. You. I really try to listen to what people tell me. And then my mouth opens and it just comes right out. <laughs> but uh, anyway, sidebar. Um, so, <laughs> you do you, boo. Exactly. Uh, so tell me about your... YouTube channel and what you do with that because I really love that and I, I I hope that you're pushing this and continue it on because it's such a fun fun project and it's very Sean and I think <laughs> it's something that people really like so tell us about that so it's called Hey Sean exclamation point um, you know I when YouTube came out I don't know ten years ago I was always obsessed with it and I was watching Beyonce backup video dancers all the time I'm like. Why am I doing this? And it just goes from one thing to another. It's like, it's, or you could be watching a cat video of like it purring or like doing a funny trick. That's what I love about YouTube. So I really, in the last few years, I got really sucked into it. And then it really became this thing where people have their own channels. So a few months ago, I made my own channel. Um, we're on break right now. I'm going to do the season two coming up soon. But I have a lot of uh, fun videos that I do with my art or like I just went to um, France and Paris uh, or Paris, France, uh, recently in the summer. So I did a fun video with my family there. And it's just like, like we were saying earlier, it's another fun outlet to do that people could see me where it's not just a 30 second video, like on my Instagram feed. Um, I like to go around and interview people and see new things. Like I have this wanderlust attitude type yeah. thing. Um, I don't know if, did you ever see Hulhauser and California's Gold? It's like on PBS. Oh, yes, okay. I've seen it. My my partner is obsessed with okay. Hulhauser. If you guys have not seen this, Google Hulhauser. It's a very California thing. So I'm just going to tell it's everybody so like, who's not in California, mm -hmm. there this this guy named Hulhauser, and he's pretty well known. You may have heard of him. In fact, on The Simpsons, I think they made fun of him once. They have a, they had oh, a Simpsons Hule. That is my and dream to make it to the Simpsons. Tennessee guy who moved to California and was so enamored by California, he started this show called California's Gold. And he talks like this. He goes, well, golly, I'm Huel Hauser, and this is California's Gold. It's literally, it is so, as someone who is not from California, it's ridiculous. But it's ridiculous But he does show the beauty and the amazing of California. It was from like, I don't know, from the 70s. 70s and 80s. Actually, until the 90s. Yeah, he just died Yeah, But... I would watch that in high school and then here it's kind of like I, it's episodes of I Love Lucy. Yeah. Um, it just makes me feel good when I watch it. Yeah. But he'll go around to, like, you know, like maybe the Hollywood sign or maybe he'll go to this Mexican restaurant in downtown L.A. or just up and down the coast and you learn stuff. And I love history and just all that stuff. Yeah. But it's so funny because it's low budget. It's like it's one so camera. Low budget. His, his cameraman, Louie, that he had for a long time um, and him and he has like a microphone with a cord on it. But sometimes his interview skills, like I was watching it last night, are horrible. So he was in um, 
They're terrible. Up near Santa Barbara yesterday, and or the episode I watched yesterday, and he's talking to these people, and then these two firemen come running by on the street, and he walks up to them, and he stops them in the middle of their run. He's like, hey, he's like, oh, he's not like, sorry to stop you, or he's like, okay, and he just walks off. It's like, he just like, he definitely had ADHD. He like will be talking to someone, and he completely like cuts them off and goes away. But you know, the thing, the thing about the show that's really cool is that it shows all these major, major, California attractions, but also the off the beaten path things. Mm -hmm. And every regional place, every regional city or area has places like this. In Northeastern Pennsylvania, we have Pennsylvania Outdoor Life. It's a show that the set hasn't changed my whole life. And it's like two old men that sit in a chair in front of a fake fireplace and they talk about like hunting and outdoor gaming. And, you know, that's, it's kind of like that. But the Hulhauser, you know, yeah, I I see Hey Sean as, now that you say that, it's kind of like that where. I mean, he's my total inspiration. I love that it's like so low budget. Oh, it's so funny. It's so cheesy. So, you guys, if you have never, if you don't know what we're talking about, Hulhauser. Google it. California's gold. California's gold. I mean, and his accent is just, it's so thick. It's, there's a, museum of, uh, of all of his work at Chapman University that I'm dying to take a road trip to and say, ooh, maybe I'll do a Sean episode there. There you go. I actually oh. just watched, speaking of Huel Hauser, this is going in a really weird direction. Um, <laughs> he did an episode on the neon signs of California and there's a museum about neon signs, like all the big old, you know, diner signs and stuff. And it was so fascinating. I think I saw that. Again, he's not my cup of tea, but the subject matter was so fascinating that I really mm-hmm. loved it. Because as everybody knows who knows me, I adore California and I think it's the most amazing place. So I do love the subject matter. But for you, yours is not so pigeonholed to one area. You you do it can, one day it can be cooking, the next day it could be art, the next day it could be yeah, it's a, a museum. Is, yeah, it's whatever your interest. And that's cool. And again, it's just about what makes it so cool to me is that it's about doing something. You know, lots of people say they will do stuff mm-hmm. and not a lot do. And then the people that then there's a, the other group of people that are doing, but they're so consumed on making sure everything's perfect that they never get anything accomplished. Mm-hmm. And it's the people that just say, well, this is what I like. This is what drives me. I'm just going to do it. And. Uh, you know, as long as I like it, then, you know, poo on you. And, and I, I respect people like that a lot. And usually they're the ones that people gravitate toward because they're real and, you know, this is what you're doing. So, you know, in this podcast, I like to really focus down on why people do what they do, why they are, who they are, but also like have them recognize the stumbling blocks that they may have had or, or the, the low times in their life that help them get to their where they are now or through their their ultimate truth whatever that is so i and i always ask this question so i'm going to ask you this question oh god think of a time in your life that you like really screwed up or it was Mm -hmm. a really low time or time that you failed Mm -hmm. and tell me what you think about that time now i think that was the worst time in my life when i think about it it sucked i thought there was no hope no future for me which was what time uh my Junior year of college. Okay. And, I mean, that was probably like the worst time. I mean, it lasted for a little bit, but that was like the worst. Well, if you don't mind, tell us about it. What was happening then? If oh, you can. Oh, God. Um, so, no, I don't. I mean, if my family listened, I don't think I could tell them. But let's, <laughs> life wasn't going things. the way you hoped. No. Every, if you could think about everything going wrong, and I'm not saying this is me, but for instance, maybe... 
um, getting physically sick, mentally sick. Uh, um, Life just beating the school. crap out of you. Yeah, everything that make that you identify with as a person um, uh, hit me at one time, and I felt that I had, I couldn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't right. think there was a future. I felt like the world was caving in. I would get anxiety sometimes. And I didn't understand why this was happening to me because I thought I was a good person. I was doing everything right. But it just came at me and life like taught me some life lessons yep, that I was the biggest failure. <laughs> but that wasn't true. Right. But it really shook me to my core. And it took a long time to get me to um, what I am today because I really had to challenge everything and really think what matters in life. Yeah. And, you know, rethink my truths, I guess. And it's it's interesting because, you know, this obviously was a time in your life that was really trying and, and really hard and clearly shook you up a lot. But when people meet you and they see you, you always have a smile on your face. You have the most positive attitude. I you're do? A, yeah, you do. You know, you're... Just don't get in my car during a rush hour. Rush hour. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, you're a good-looking guy. You have great friends. You have this... You, you live your passion, and you think, oh, this guy's got it easy. But everybody has their their Ish. their things, you know? Yeah. And, and so apparently in college, you had some struggles. But now, when you look mm-hmm. back on that, what do you think? I think I will never donate money to that college. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I do think I met some really great friends from the college. Yeah, because it's you can't... about the people and not the. Um, uh, it's about the people and not the institution. Institution, right? But I mean, I if you didn't go to if you didn't if that didn't happen, you wouldn't have had those experiences, met those people that got you to where you are today. Yeah, if I went to a different school, I know I would not be in Los Angeles right now. Right, and would you trade that for anything? Would you trade? I mean, you love... Maybe for a million dollars at this point in my life, I'd trade it. (laughs) You say that, but I know you enough to know that's not true. You do love what you're doing. Yeah, I would need at least $10 million. Well, $10 million, and you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. You could just do what you want for fun. Um, So that's that's different. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that it's definitely something to think about, about how no matter what's going on in your life, how bad it is, you know, eventually you're going to look back and see how the stuff had to happen to connect the dots to get you to where you're at. Yeah. And that's kind of how I try to rationalize the, the bad things. And mm-hmm. I try to appreciate the good things, knowing that it's all part of the greater. Yeah. Story. As long as you can always look back with anything and think about, about a, a lesson that you learned, good or bad. And as long as you learn from it, then yeah. that's, that's, that's the best thing you can ask for. Cause our failures are our lessons, and our lessons keep us moving. And the more, as long as we keep moving, then we're okay. And find something you love and do it repeatedly right. all the time as Always. much as you can. Um, okay, so uh, another question I like to ask people, which is a an, question. Another question. Oh, a question. Oh, wow. He's all about the branding now. Sure, um, yeah. <laughs> if, okay, your perfect day is it exploring a city, uh, having a fun day at the beach, well, hiking a mountain, or Building a snowman. Tell me the season. No, just if your go-to, if you could pick. Okay, perfect day would probably be like Sunday, sleeping in, because that means no garbage trucks come on my street and will wake me up. <laughs> and it'll probably be a little bit cool, and I'll probably hear some like birds chirping, because I love that. Then I'll probably have like an iced coffee from um, Coffee Bean. Guys, this guy likes to give detail. <laughs> Writer. This is in my first like 30 minutes. <laughs> 
And then I'll probably go back and relax. At some point during the day, I take my friend Colin's uh, spin class, which is amazing. Um, and then I recently became vegan. I don't know why. I think I watched that documentary, so I would say like eat a pizza or something, but I can't really eat that anymore. So the food question's out the window. But definitely you- during the night, maybe, you know, hiking, exploring, doing something fun, um, traveling, and then having a few cocktails at night or wine. Well, that was definitely um, not the question, but I love it. <laughs> what would my perfect day be? Like? It, no, I said, of these four, what would you, like, what What do you go to? Are you like the, nothing, like, I love to go and wander through a city, or I love to be at the beach and soak up the sun and hear the waves, or I love to be in the fresh air hiking a mountain, or give me a snowman, let me be outside and make something. Okay, I don't want to be wet and cold, so no snowman. But I do, <laughs> I, I like all those scenarios. Okay. Uh, I Mo- get kind most of, bored of the time at the beach, probably outdoors exploring. Uh, most time, most of the time, people have a go to. Like for me, outdoors. Exploring. I know that I love to be on a beach because when I get to a beach and I can like hang out at the beach and be with friends, you know, b- barbecue, play, you know, frisbee, just put my feet in the water. It releases every bit of stress I have and it just resets my body and my soul. And that's, so for me, that's my thing. Yeah. Um, but we all have those, you know, well, I, mean, I was so things. lucky. I lived that life. I mean, I worked in Malibu Oh yeah. for like 10 years. And Shut so like, we were all on the beach. <laughs> like we, I'd have to put on sweatshirt. You get that cold breeze. You'd hear yeah. the waves oh, crashing. So great. It would like, you'd see actually stars in the sky. It's amazing. That was so relaxing. Yeah. And you know, but all through my twenties, my dream day would be exploring cities. Cause I mean, I lived all over the world and all I did was I would get dropped off in the middle of a city. Uh, you know, I'd get off the train and I would just explore. And, and I love that. Yeah. But now in my thirties, I still love that, but I want to relax a little bit more because I don't get to do that as much, but yeah. all right. So, the most important question I have that, you know, really think and make sure you give your true, true answer. Okay. What is your favorite theme song? Oh, my gosh. Okay, there's a, there's a few. <laughs> I love how people okay. people find it so hard to give no, one. Is it a theme song from movie like, or television? I go with TV. I, I believe a theme song is a TV theme song, but there can be a movie theme song. Okay, I'm going to give you one for both. The okay. one that just pops out of pops out of me it just makes me feel at home like chicken soup is the golden girls theme song of course that's a great one i mean it's just like every time i see that come on like i'll just watch the beginning it's soothing oh totally it's a great theme song. and then the most epic theme song ever jurassic park john williams i mean i'm obsessed with john williams like he is like the most talented person that i could think of in like modern day Everything that he's done, all those major movies that he's done, E.T., Forrest Gump, Schindler's List, Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Like, I mean, the guy knows what he's the, doing. But it was like, dun, 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 dun. Like, <laughs> I like, it's so good. Like, Jurassic Park theme song, the original one, towards the right. end. That's my favorite. Well, there we go. We got Golden Girls, which is a popular one and Jurassic Park. So that's, that's a really good one. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming in today. I loved having you. It was, it's always fun to chat. And by the way, this is how we are when we go for coffee. We probably, we try to go like once every other week or something. Yeah. I think you owe me coffee and we now. Do the same thing. Oh, I do. A large. Okay. Well, he, I, I'm usually there on time and, um, I some, sometimes. sometimes I get text messages like, Oh, was I supposed to be there today? So, <laughs> but anyway, um, so great having you. Thanks for Aww. coming. And how do people follow you? Where do they find you? 
uh, on my Instagram at Sean Sturz. That's S H A U N S T U R Z. I have the same thing for my uh, Twitter and Facebook fan page and YouTube. They can follow you. YouTube, out. just you just type in my name or Hey Sean exclamation point. Yeah, you got it. All right. Well, thanks so much again, and follow Sean. Find out all about Baxter Boo. Thanks, I, guys. Sure I hope you, you like it. You like it. All right. Take it easy. Thanks, MJ. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast.